Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Death Strategy. This series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. We've been talking the past few episodes about how we're likely to be in this period of lingering growth concerns around the Delta variant, peak growth in general, concerns around the world, but especially centered around China and Asia. What's the status of the manufacturing cycle? How are supply chains going to continue to perform if Delta is picking up in low vaccinated countries? You know, and probably a little geopolitics and some worries about fiscal stimulus in the U.S., although this past week had some good progress there. Um, but all of those, you know, minor to, to major concerns about growth would lead to a choppy period of markets until we got clarity on some of these issues. I still think this current environment can continue for a couple more weeks, but at least on the Delta front, we're starting to get a little evidence in the UK and Europe that the link between cases and mortality in highly vaccinated countries is a lot weaker than before. That's you know one of the base themes, in addition to the fact that we always felt this fiscal deal in the US would come through, um, the infrastructure one at least, um, that you know that linkage would break and some of these growth concerns that we've had in high, higher vaccinated countries uh, would dissipate. Now, it's still too early to tell, um, especially for two reasons. One, in the UK, we haven't really had the full impact of how you know Freedom Day and if, if that's gonna cause a, a change in both cases in mortality. Um, in the US, it's just simply too early to tell because the third wave started later than in the UK and Europe. Um, even so, things do look promising on both timelines, but I'm a little reticent to you know, claim victory on that front, just hoping that in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to be more definitive. So meanwhile, we continue to run with our US exceptionalism theme. And when you look at corporate earnings this week in the US, it certainly reinforces that view. It's not just big tech, it's been industrials, materials, pharmaceutical, all sorts of sectors are performing pretty well. Yes, there's some reopening optics here, but it's kept uh, share prices at the highs all the same. Um, do I expect the fourth quarter to be a little bit more volatile for risk assets still? Yes, I do. But as we've talked about, that doesn't mean they still can't perform month to month, even if you have an extremely choppy or more volatile environment, you know, day to day or week to week. The reason why I do think that volatility is going to pick up is that I think just the macro environment is going to get a lot more complicated, which takes me right to where we are in the U.S. and where we see a lot of monetary policy developments in the fourth quarter. It also takes me to our special guest, our chief U.S. economist, Kevin Cummins. All right, Kevin, I've got two questions for you today. First, recap the Fed meeting. Is there any major news there? Um, well, I think they more or less uh, lent support to the market's expectations that tapering is going to probably happen uh, sooner rather than later. Um, they did take a step forward acknowledging the progress that they've had since December. If you remember back in December in the statement, they inserted forward guidance with regard to the taper um, that they'll need to see substantial further progress. And you know, it, there was a shift there in communication uh, yesterday in the statement that they formally acknowledged that they're making progress towards those goals, um, but that they're going to continue to assess the progress in coming meetings. So, you know, it, Powell made it pretty clear that we're still some way away from getting to that maximum employment goal, um, although progress is expected to continue. So assuming that things behave the way uh, the Fed expects, which is uh, that the labor market continues to make progress in the second half of this year through the summer, um, we should start to see the Fed taper later this year. Okay. 
So that's one of those kind of more macro U.S. environment or risks or processes that I think that could keep things a little bit interesting in, in, into, uh, into the fourth quarter. Okay, second, we had GDP data this past week, and it looks like the headline came in a little bit weaker than expected. You know, given our views on U.S. exceptionalism and equity markets at the high and, and you know, the U.S. leading the, the charge in developed economies with high vaccinations and going to have good growth and all the optimism we have around the U.S. here. Um, is there any reason in that anything in that GDP data to get us to worry about that? Um, no, not, not really. I, I think, you know, the problem with GDP, there's so many moving parts that you can get uh, – our, our own forecast was for uh, 10% GDP, 10.5% GDP, uh, which is a ways away from where we actually got it, 6.5%. Um, but if you look at the components, a lot of the uh, weaker performance relative to our forecast was uh, inventory growth. And presumably, supply-related constraints are having a, an impact on inventories. So you know, there was another big drawdown in inventories in the second quarter, which was unexpected versus our forecast. We had them kind of close to uh, adding about two and a half percentage points, and they subtracted close to that uh, for the quarter. That, along with net exports, shaved off another almost half a percentage point off GDP. So if you kind of strip out those two things that disproportionately those two components could have big, meaningful swings in GDP um, from a sequential quarterly annualized growth rate standpoint. So I think if you take those out, the report was pretty solid, especially on the consumption side. You know, consumption, we had been above expectation uh, consensus, um, looking for, you know, double digit pace. And we, in fact, uh, even underestimated how strong it grew. It almost grew at a 12% annualized rate in the second quarter. Of course, a lot of that reflects the fiscal stimulus that we've got. Um, from uh, policymakers in Washington. Um, and presumably, you're not going to get that in the back half of this year. Uh, a lot of those you know, one-time impact payments that went out um, got spent, it looks like, pretty quickly. So it, it did its job. But we do think that with the elevated savings rate that you are likely to get very strong growth in the back half of this year. Tomorrow, we'll get a little bit more color on the month-to-month -month swings in consumption growth. So we'll see how things look as far as how things ended the second quarter. Um, it looks like consumption for the third quarter probably didn't grow at quite as strong a robust pace as it did in the second quarter. But, you know, in the high single digits seems like a reasonable estimate, probably because there's some decent momentum at the end of the quarter, we, we think. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it looks like growth in the back half of this year is certainly going to outperform. That was the message from Powell yesterday that we're continuing to make progress towards that substantial further progress that they need to start tapering, particularly on the labor side. It's been a little light. Um, but I think, you know, as time goes on and the economy uh, continues to reopen, um, that we're likely to see very strong growth in the back half of this year. Yeah, it's pretty funny when we talk about high single digits as as a slowdown in growth, but you know we all know this pandemic's turned everything on its head. So, um, thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate that. Um, lastly, just for listeners, you know, this coming week we're watching the Bank of England. We do see a seven-one vote for no change and a risk actually of eight to nothing rather than six-two in the hawkish direction. But still, uh, importantly, uh, Ross Walker given the strength in the employment data lately, moved his first rate hike to November 2022 from February 2023. 
So we think that if the employment data continues to pick up in the UK, that we're going to see more hawkish rhetoric there. So maybe it's not just the US that could create some volatility on the central banking side in the next few months, but the Bank of England could also be contributing to that. So we'll talk more about that in the next in next week's Weekly Watch, however. So for this week, thank you for joining us and have a good week. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Watch. Please subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and other social media channels.